Amen. I tell you what, what an experience it was yesterday to be with thousands of people worshiping the one true God. And pastors uh, up on the top of the mountain and thousands of millennials coming up the side of the mountain. When they got to the top of the mountain, it was the, our, our duty as pastors to lay hands on them and pray for them and charge this next generation to take this ministry of reconciliation to their generation, right? And we see from uh, Dr. King's history, in 1963, on, on August the 28th, which will be Tuesday, uh, not tomorrow but the next day, will be the 55-year anniversary. And I was thinking about that occasion, the speech that he made. When he made that speech, August the 28th and 63, I was in my mother's womb. Hadn't been born yet, but born in the South, in South Georgia. Some of my history, some of my classmates when I was in elementary school were in the movie Roots with Alex Haley. And I remember some of my classmates being used as extras in the movie. And there was a big uproar. And as a kid, I'm trying to understand this. And as a kid, I'm walking in the Sears and Roebuck store in Brunswick, Georgia in 1969 when I was six years old. And I looked at a water cooler that said blacks only. And I didn't understand. And I was confused. And so this message of reconciliation... (laughs) It, it's, it's part of me. I, I can't get away from it. We, if you know our history, uh, our family spent eight years in Italy. And so we're back in the States after being in Italy for eight years. And the Lord asked us to come to Georgia. And we didn't know the full ic- extent of that. And now I find myself in the middle of navigating how we create a multicultural church. What does that mean? What does that look like? You know, we have four points to our mission. And one of those four points is bridging cultural gaps. And this morning in the message, I'm going to be talking about reconciliation and and what that means. You know, we come from different cultures, but really, honestly, there's one race, the human race. There's one race. Scientifically, it's proven that 99.5% of all of our DNA, of all the people in this room, is the same. (laughs) The, 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 The culture wars and the race wars, um, we're, 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 can I just say that there's, they're, they're politically motivated. They're, they're greed motivated. Science proves that there's one race. Everybody say one race. Okay. You helped me with the introduction here. If, if I had to put a title to this message, it's called The Why of Reconciliation. The Why of Reconciliation. If you're writing notes, put that down. I apologize that we didn't get the notes done fast enough, but the Lord kind of downloaded this message to me like overnight. And so I pray, let me pray real quick here, that you hear the words from the Holy Spirit and not the words from me. 
because I had been planning another message all week long, and the Lord changed it right at the last minute. So here we are. I, I promised the Lord that I would obey and to speak what he would want me to speak, and, and we're at a seemingly... I have some notes, but it's kind of like a blank page. I'm just going to share my heart this morning. So let's pray. Father, thank you that we have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit says. It's not important so much what man says, but what the Holy Spirit says through a man or through a woman, through your servant. So, Father, I just humble myself and I ask you to use my mind connected to my spirit, your spirit, and that the words... The meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth would be acceptable and would minister to the people here in this room, but also those that are watching this video. Thank you, Lord, that you are calling the whole church to this ministry of reconciliation so that we can see one another like you see us. We take that serious. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this one part of our mission as a local church to bridge cultural gaps, is, it's a calling that the Lord has called us by. It's not an option. It's not some cute little marketing thing that we thought up that would seem cool because, you know, it looks good to have a, a church with a bunch of different color people in the church. Really, heaven is populated with people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue. And those of you who have been here at least two years remember, the, 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 I think the Sunday morning that we moved in here, I said, guys, there's a neighborhood behind us. And in that neighborhood, there's 14, 13, 14 different nationalities represented. People born in 13 or 14 different countries live in that neighborhood. So this place should look just like the neighborhood beside it. If we're going to make an impact on our community, we have to have a church that doesn't look just like me. It is so easy. The, re- the reality of doing ministry is it's so easy to attract people that look like me. <laughs> that I have to change the way I look from time to time to attract people that don't look like me. <laughs> I have to be younger than I am to attract the younger ones. You know, it's, it's quite a challenge. And all you are saying right now, just, Pastor, just be yourself. And so I'm, I am being myself. I'm young at heart. And Pastor Sheila and I turned 55 this year, but we, we feel like we're 25, you know. We feel like we're 25 again. I mean, it's, God's given us a new strength, but also a new vision to see this place filled with people that are excited about one race, about one Jesus, about... One body of Christ, one God, just what we sang this morning. All of those songs that we sang were a message before the message, right? And so this Tuesday, again, I'm just going to mention that this Tuesday marks the 55-year anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech. And uh, thousands of people yesterday were gathered in Stone Mountain Park to display the love of God to a nation to our nation at a time where uh, hatred is being stirred to a level that I, I personally have never witnessed in my lifetime. Just a couple of weeks ago, there were people in the, at the mall in Washington, D.C., on both sides, shouting back and forth at each other. I mean, it, it, our nation is experiencing a, a spiritual 
storm, if you will, with this racism. And it's time for men and women of God to stand up by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and in the love of God to speak the truth of God so that we can refocus on what God wants us to focus on is His Word. His Word. Look at Acts chapter 17. Acts 17 and verse 26. And listen, we're going to be going to many scriptures in the Bible today because what's most important is not my opinion. What's most important in this message today is what God has to say about it. What God, His opinion and His Word rules and reigns throughout eternity. And so I want to make sure that I'm on the side of God. Not on this side or that side, but on God's side. Acts 17, verse 26 says, And he has made from one blood, everybody say one blood, every nation of men to dwell on the face, on, the, on all of the face of the earth, and he's determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling. So the Bible has a lot to say about culture. A lot to say about culture. And there were culture wars, if you will, all the way through. There, there have been ethnos against ethnos as soon as sin came on the earth. And we see that war is brought on by sin, right? And so if God is love and he sent Jesus to show us how much he loves us, then we have the love of God that overcomes sin, that is more powerful than sin. So to be reconciled, then makes me a minister of reconciliation. Because I have the love of God in me through the blood of Jesus. That's why the shirt is red, to remind us that the blood of Jesus reconciles us to God, then makes us a minister of reconciliation. It's not about the color of skin. It's about the color of the blood, right? So Colossians 3, chapter 3 and verse 11. Colossians 3... Verse 11, this is the new century version. It says, in, in the new life, there is no difference between Greeks and Jews, those who are circumcised and those who are not circumcised. Those people who are foreigners are Scythians. There's no difference between slaves and free people, but Christ is an all believers, and Christ is all that is important. Now, some versions say, you know, Christ is all and as in all, but the New Century Version says Christ is all that is important. Could you, can you agree with that? Christ is all that is important. And, you know, we see a lot of division in our country, but the truth is politics doesn't solve the issue. And most of the times it, it makes matters worse. The only solution, only permanent and eternal solution is Jesus. And dot, 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 that's how I talk to my Siri, you know. Hey, Siri, dot, 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 and dot, 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 and dot, 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 the love of God through the church. That's part of the solution that God has to bring peace. When Jesus came upon the earth, what did the angel say? Peace, peace on earth, and peace to, to men of goodwill. The Prince of Peace comes to the earth to bring peace. 
What the world needs is peace, and peace comes through the Prince of Peace. But the Prince of Peace lives in the church. And so we should be bringing peace, not hatred. Peace, not strife. We shouldn't be bringing more division. And sometimes people in the church act like people outside of the church. But we need to hear the Prince of Peace and walk in God's peace so that we can bring reconciliation. So this morning as I, I, need, to, I need to make one more statement before I make this next statement. You know, people get into wars because of ignorance. They just don't know. And so the emotions build and they find themselves fighting against flesh and blood. But the Bible says we don't war against flesh and blood. Right? So we need, we need to become unignorant or become learned. And we need to realize a few things here. And so as a, as a white pastor, I have to say some things at times to my own race which are uncomfortable because of how we've treat, treated other races. But I'm responsible to say it. And again, and again, my prayer is that you would listen to the words that come from the Holy Spirit. So my study of this subject of racism led me to a book called uh, The Shattering Myth of Race by Dave Unander. And the subtitle is Genetic Realities and Biblical Truths. And so I'm going to read an excerpt from that book. And Dave Unander says, Race is mostly a social theory that was devised and refined over the centuries to serve the economic and religious goals of a majority culture, first in European territory and then later in America. Whiteness it turns out, is a very recent idea in the grand scheme of history. But it's a powerful one that has used to create categories and systems that would place value economically and otherwise on skin color and the groups of people who were either blessed or burdened by it. If race could be used to indicate a group's level of intelligent, intelligence, its work ethic, and its tendency to do wrong, then the majority culture could justify all types of bigotries and discrimination and discriminations. That's very observant. And we have to admit, from time to time, we, we, all of us, have used race to, to prove our point. And it's wrong. You know, we're comfortable... Or we, we learn to, to be comfortable in our own skin. And we don't understand a lot of times why people don't feel like we feel in their skin. And so there's some things that we need to think about. That we need to get in someone else's skin to, to, to try to think like they think. And so that's why I read after uh, people like Martin Luther King and try to understand so it took me to a letter that he wrote from the Birmingham jail, Dr. King. And I'm going to read an excerpt from this letter. This is Dr. King writing from the 
Birmingham jail. He said, I must make two honest confessions to you, my Christian and Jewish brothers. First, I must confess that over the past few years, I have been gravely disappointed with the, mo the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in the stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefer, prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, quote, I agree with you and the goal that you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action, who paternity paternalistically believes he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by a mythical concept of time and who constantly advises the Negro to wait for a more convenient season. So again, I'm going to make this statement. In his time in 1963, Dr. King said some things that that generation really didn't quite understand and didn't know how to deal with. But if you remember some of the statements that he did make, he said, I, I have a dream, I see, I've been to the mountain, I've seen on the other side, and I may not be, be there, I may not get there, but we will get there. And so together, collectively, this, is, this was my prayer yesterday as I assembled with my brothers and sisters of all color. Listen, there were, her, there were Hispanics, there were Asians, there were, there were whites, there were blacks, there were people from other nations and countries. One of the songs that we sang this morning was, was written by a, a, a woman from Africa, the second song. Beautiful. And so God's doing a thing in our nation, but I believe he's doing a thing in the body of Christ, and he wants the body of Christ to bring the love of God to our nation. I've determined, Pastor Sheila and I have both determined that we're not going to be white moderates, that we will address the issues through the Word of God and, and with his grace, because emotion does nothing, but it's the love of God and the Word of God that makes the difference. Listen, there are, I've, from what I've noticed, there are four stages or four positions that, in which people live concerning other cultures. You might want to write this down, at least just the words. The first stage or the first position is segregation. Segregation. Segregation is a total and complete separation ruled by prejudice. You can see this when someone of another culture moves into a neighborhood and then people start moving out. Notice I said other culture. Not, not necessarily a different skin color. Just somebody from another culture begins to move into the neighborhood that you live in and suddenly you begin to move out. We have to judge our own lifestyle and judge our own friendships to see if there's any prejudice in our life. You know, I was thinking about this and praying and 
I kind of had this conversation with the Lord. I said, Lord, do you know, we enjoy food from other cultures. I mean, everybody can agree with that. How many in, in this place this morning has gone out to eat at a Mexican, Mexican restaurant? Oh, yeah, we like Mex Italian. You know, some folks like to go to eat uh, Indian food. Some people like Jamaican food. Some people, I mean, there's, there are cultural restaurants all over the place. In fact, Gwinnett County is, is the most culturally diverse county, I believe, in the southeast. So we enjoy food from other cultures. But the Lord asked me a, a question back when I said that. He said, but yeah, do you enjoy the people of that culture as much as you do the food? And I had to say, Lord, some of this food, I don't even know the people about that are connected with that food. And the Lord asked me another question. And he said, why don't you know? about those people because I've never taken the time and spent time finding out about the people spending time with people getting crossing over a line listen it's easy to go into a restaurant that serves food from another culture but find out about the people ask to see the owner talk to the people find out their background Become unsegregated, if you will. The second position that I find that we find ourselves in is toleration. You see, first is segregation, second is toleration. Toleration is recognition that there's other cultures and that those culture, cultures have rights. They have rights, but uh, it's accompanied, accompanied by a silent unwillingness to move beyond that. Yeah, you're, you're from another culture, you have rights, but I'm not moving beyond that. The third position or the, the third stage is integration. Integration. Integration is a willingness to mix together as a sign of acceptance, but an unwillingness to move off of one's cultural stand. And so we have, we have this at Lifeway. You know, we're integrated, but at times I can feel people take their cultural stand. And I understand, I understand that. Some of us are in a process of learning how to not take that cultural stand and come to the fourth position or fourth stage. It's called Reconciliation. Reconciliation. Reconciliation is a change of the inward heart condition that adopts a kingdom mindset of doing life together. It's a change of the inward heart condition that adopts the kingdom mindset of doing life together. You can determine this if you're, if you're living a reconciled life by your friends and your fellowship. Your friends and your fellowship. What do your friends and your fellowship look like? When was the last time that you went to someone's house that has a different color skin than you have? We have to, we have to face this, guys, and move off of our race pride. 
move off of our race pride. And listen, we, and we need to accept that, that, that there is race pride for different reasons. We could have been hurt when we were young. As a young person, I was hurt by someone of another race. And it, it affected me. And so I've had to deal with that. But thank God that I have dealt with that. And, of course, having the blood of Jesus is the answer to dealing with that. But you, you first have to admit that there's a problem before the Lord can help you move past that problem. I want us to watch this video, but I want, I want to kind of set it up here. It, it's, it's, you're you're going to see the love of God and how beautiful God does things. But this is going to be very in your face, okay? It was from a newscast. It was just put out recently. And the, it's, it's pretty short, maybe a minute and a half or so, but it tells a huge story. Guys, go ahead and show that video. <laughs> he said, I felt, I felt better than the last time I had a robe on. <laughs> Nothing but God. Nobody but God. Right? And listen, I'm just, I'm just saying, if there's one story like that, there must be hundreds of stories like that. God is using the body of Christ to reconcile men and women to God and to each other, okay? And this is happening all over. God is awesome, and He loves everyone, and He wants us. The interesting thing about this story is it was a black pastor that, that came across the line to love someone that was filled with hate. 
He wasn't sitting back saying, hey, my race has been hurt. You need to ask me to forgive you. He was reaching out in forgiveness to love this man who was filled with hate and bound by the devil. And now this man is free. I think it's awesome that there, he's, in, he's in his church. Wow. So with that video in mind, let's look at this verse. Look at this verse. This is awesome. Col- Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. It's kind of a long verse, but I want us to read and, and just really chew on every word in this verse. Colossians 3, 10 through 14. This is the New Living Translation. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters. And He lives in all of us And since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must also forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. That says it all, right there. And so God does understand the cultural tension. But the solution for the cultural tension is the love of God. I'm going to give you three action items for reconciliation. Three action items. Number one, move higher. Move higher. We need to, we've got to rise above offense. Rise above offense. Proverbs 18, 19 in the King James Version says, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. Contentions are like bars of a castle. And anyone that's been married understands that uh, strife uh, brings up the bars. Contention brings up the bar- Offense. If you get offended in, in your marriage, the bars come up. Right? You're keeping them out, and, but you're locking yourself in to the prison, right? So offense, we have to move higher than the offense. Matthew 24.10 says this, And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. And then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. So offense brings betrayal, which brings hatred, Offense is a trap that the enemy sets. The word, the Greek word for offense is scandalon. And it, it's used, it was, uh, that Greek word was used to describe a trap to catch an animal. And so offense is, is that trap. It, the, the moment we take offense, we're, we're in the trap. We're in the trap. And the longer that we stay in that trap... We betray people around us. We see this on social media. People throwing each other up under the bus. You're my friend this day. You're not my friend the next day. 
I said something good about you this day, but now I'm unfriending you. You know, there's so much emotion on social media that is a very dangerous place for you to even try to try to have a voice because of, of all the emotion. You find yourself wanting to respond quick before you even think. It's because the enemy is out there trying to use emotion to get people to war after each other. But betrayal then leads to hatred. Betrayal is, it can also be defined as you, you don't want to defend any other person. Every man for himself. But can I just say, in the body of Christ, we are called to defend one another. But not just people of your own color. People with the same blood, right? We're in the same family. We defend one another. Hatred means that you have no more grace for that, for that particular relationship. So when you turn your back on someone, it's as if you're saying that God has no more grace for that person. Because think about it. The grace of God lives in you. So offense leads to betrayal, which leads to hatred. And that's what we see in our country. Offense can distort or divide a relationship that once was obvious and ordained. So we need to stay away from offense. We need to rise above it, and we need to move higher. Number two, we need to extend forgiveness. Extend forgiveness. There's a state of forgiveness that I, uh, that's described in the, new, uh, the King James Version as forbearance. An extension of forgiveness. I'm, giving, I'm forgiving you before you even need forgiveness. I'm deciding right now that there's nothing that you could do to me that, that, that I wouldn't forgive. So we need to get to that place. And I know this is all a process. It's not a to-do list that you can just run down and check off in one day. We, we are moving toward this extending forgiveness by living in this state of love and forgiveness. Acts 24:16 says, "This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men." This is this is written about Paul. Now, Luke was the author of Acts, but Paul was was saying I'm, I'm striving for this. Striving, guys, that doesn't mean I always hit the mark. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. There's sometimes that I get offended. There's sometimes you get offended. But this is our goal. This verse is our goal. That we would not be offended. That we would extend forgiveness before it's ever needed. Make, it, make up in our mind that there's nothing that anyone could do to me that I wouldn't love them and forgive them for. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up 
cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So a root of bitterness. Root of bitterness. We have to examine our own self to see that we're extending forgiveness to people and loving people the way that God loves us. The reason that it's really quiet in here right now is because most of us miss it in these areas. When we think about the love of God and how He's reconciled us and how much He loves us, we see how much He wants us to then turn around and love others, regardless of whether we agree or not. Right? So here's, here's what I know. That if you're constantly angry at other races, that you don't have a vital, vibrant prayer life. You're not talking to God. You're talking on Facebook and Instagram, and, but you're not listening to God's Word. You're listening to other people spew their opinions and feeding yourself on the wrong spirit. There's a danger to feeding too much on the news and social media. For this past 21 days and this time of prayer and fasting, I've just to- I've turned it off. I haven't listened to anything. I don't even know what's going on. And really, you know, I can't, I can't stay there because I really need to be uh, aware of of current events so that, I, so that I can pray. But I know that there's, there's one step over that where I can get consumed and involved with this and that and what's happening and why and blah, 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 blah. And it just takes me off focus and I, I, I start dealing with anger issues. So I have to pull myself back. And right now I'm preaching to myself hoping that maybe you can identify with me because, listen, we're all, uh, we, we're all opinionated. We all deal with this. But we have to allow the love of God to rule and reign in our hearts so that there's peace within us so we can minister reconciliation. It's not God's plan to just reconcile you. It's to use you to reconcile others. Right? The same love that He loved you with, He wants you to turn around and love others the same way. The same way. So, I have to go to the Word, and I have to go to the Lord first, every day. And most of my prayers are, Lord, search me. Show me something in me that is holding me back from what you want to do in my life. You have a plan. You have a purpose. I'm aware of that plan. I'm aware of that purpose. But I know that there most days... Things that I do and say that prevent me from fulfilling your plan and your purpose the way that you want me to. Help me to see those traps, the trap of offense. Help me to recognize the, my own words that I use that would stop me from fulfilling your will. Search me, know me, try me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. I give myself to you. I give myself to your word. You know, like I've been saying over the past few, few weeks during this 21 days is 
Time in prayer is, is great. To spend time in prayer is, is awesome, necessary. We need to. But part of that prayer time should be listening to the Lord, and it should be opening the Word and allowing the Lord to speak to you through His Word. Again, going to the Lord and just dropping off your to-do list and saying, like we do our laundry, you know, you just drop it off and say, I'll be back at the end of the day to pick it up, and I hope you just solve everything. Amen. In the name of Jesus. We need to take time for the Lord to show us where we need change on the inside, right? So the third thing is, the third and last thing is uh, love the least. Love the least. This is the third action item of reconciliation. Love the least. Here's an interesting statement that is backed up by the Bible. I'm going to give you the statement and then I'm going to give you the scripture. Your love for God is measured by the person that you love the least. Your love for God is measured by the person that you love the least. Wow. That gets your attention, right? How can that be? But I love God. I love God. I love God. How many of you in here love God? We can all raise our hand. We love God. But guess what? God's easy to love. <laughs> God is easy to love. Jesus said, well, you know, what, what reward do you have by loving the people that, you, that, that, that are easy to love, that love you, right? Look at 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. This is where the rubber meets the road right here. We all judge our own love life by this verse. The New International Version of 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 says, Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. Wow. Now, I'm glad I didn't say that. I'm glad I didn't. I don't have the responsibility to say that verse. But I'm telling you, that's, that's pretty heavy. For whoever does not love their brother or brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Not an option. Again, this is a command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. What... What about our neighbors? Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Who is your neighbor? Just everybody is your neighbor, not just somebody that lives beside you. Because your cousin could live beside you. Or, you know, your mother could live beside you. It, it's easy to love those who look like us and talk like us and act like us. It's easy to love people that you go to church with. But how, how much does God love the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe would be saved, right? And then what's John 3, 17 say? say? For God didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world. So if we're not loving the world, we're condemning the world. 
right? We have to deal with this as people who have been reconciled and who are called to be ministers of reconciliation. We're called to reconcile. Romans 12, this is the last verse here. And then I'm going to pray for all of us <laughs> because we need it. Listen, we can't do what I'm reading here. We can't accomplish these three action items for reconciliation without the Spirit of God. But God, He knows what He put in us, and He knows what He asks us to do. We're responsible to God to do the right thing. So Romans chapter 12 and verse 17 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. This is powerful passage of Scripture. And we quote it like it's a poem or something. We read it and say it like it's a poem, and it's very poetic, and it's very, you know, but it's very powerful. And it talks about the love of God in us, that God expects us to love one another with the same love that he loved us with. And he knows that he created us to do this, and he believes that we can. That's the good news. God believes that you and I can love each other like he loves us. This is the hope we have to see this generation changed and to see racism brought down to its knee in this country. The love of God. Listen, it doesn't matter. Again, we say these little phrases, but I firmly believe it doesn't matter what color your skin is. Because your blood is just like my blood. Right? God didn't make a mistake. And I'm here to say God didn't make junk. So we have a high calling. We have a high calling to repair and restore the injustices in our society as a nation, to walk humbly before our God, to live at peace, to step across the line. Where the devil's drawn the line, it's up to us to step across that line and love somebody else like you love yourself, as much as you love yourself. We have the love of God because He first loved us. We have the ability to reach out because He reached out to us. If you've never experienced the love of God, I'm going to invite you to pray. 
but I don't want you to come up front. I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to stand up because this prayer is between you and God. There's a time for public profession of what you believe. This is why we have baptism. We're going to have baptism here on September the 16th, about three weeks, right on the side of the building here. We fill up a big tub of water, and we baptize you just like we saw in the, in the video. We don't, we don't have an ocean right out here, but we do have a little, a big tub of water that we will baptize you. And that is an outward display of something that happens in your heart. So if you've never prayed and you've never received Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today, to be reconciled, to be washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. He gave himself for you. He loves you with an everlasting love. Doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, where you were born, what language you speak. How hurt you've been or how much hurt that you've imposed on someone else. God still loves you. Listen, if God loved Saul of Tarsus, who was a murderer of Christians, he loves everyone just the same. Just the same. So if you need to experience the love of God and you need to follow Him, if you want to follow Jesus, I invite you to, let's everybody just bow our head and pray this prayer. Together, we can pray it together. If you're praying it for the first time, then today is your day of salvation. You will receive salvation the very moment that you're praying this prayer with us. Say this with me, Heavenly Father. 